to the Burnout Podcast, where we discuss all things agile software development and delivery. We will be giving you an honest take on tools and techniques. We'll share our experiences, debunk myths, and hopefully provide needed inspiration. Hi, I'm Todd Anderson, Consultant Delivery Manager. I've done just about every job in IT, from tech support, programmer, network security, project and program management. I can't say I've done everything, but I've seen a lot. And I'm Marcel Bridge, digital consultant, business analyst and product owner. I've worked in digital before this even had a name, and since have been quite a bit around the block. And this is my way of giving back to the industry. So sit back, relax, and settle in for this week's episode. Quick apology for the audio quality being bad in parts. We've done this via a virtual link and had to do some uh, weird editing afterwards. Um, also apologies for me talking over Swati in some cases. We did have a bit of time lag in our uh, connection, so that just make it harder for a clear conversation. I trust you'll find this podcast uh, still informative and hopefully not too annoying. Finally, there is a link to some illustrations in the show notes, which I suggest you access beforehand and view while uh, we're talking about the various scenarios. This should make understanding some of those scenarios much easier. And now, enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Burn Up. Today, I'm talking again with my colleague Swati Bodar from India. I don't think she needs an introduction. Hello. She's done a number of episodes with us already. Um, and today, Swati, we want to talk about something I think that was close to our heart in the project we both uh, were working uh, on for the last year, which is around how do we align teams across features or services when we deal with slightly more complex systems that we're building. Is this actually a real cat or is this CGI? It is. Where do people get those pictures? <laughs> okay, no more cat pictures. Okay, Aisha? <laughs> yeah. In fact, let's look at some diagram, I would say. So uh, there is a link to graph one in the show notes for the listeners. It might be worth looking at that. So um, let me just talk you quickly through the graph. So imagine you have a client who's got a factory with uh, a large number of machines and you want to know what the machines are up to and you want to have some control over what the machines are doing. Then we could imagine an application that has three parts, individual applications or, or functional parts, one that tracks device usage. So, uh, you know, how, how, how are these, these machines used over time? Device performance, what's the output, how are they doing? And then device configuration to kind of make changes to how these machines are performing. And that all together would be exposed to the end user via a, a web app front end in, in one single place. So this is, kind of, this is a fairly simplistic landscape, I guess. And yeah. assuming now, you know, that we have a number of, um, of developers, maybe, you know, 15 or so, so, that, so that, that we could have three scrum teams. The question is, how do I, what do I work on first? How do I assign those teams to that domain, to the various parts of the application that I could be working on? And before we, before we talk about specifics, Swati, what do you think, are there any principles we would want to apply or, or any, any, any rules that might inform how we split those teams across the, 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 the domain? What is most important or what we have learned through experience is the teams have to be happy autonomous. This actually helps them to have a sense of ownership in what they're delivering and you know, they can do their deployments or no communication overhead. Actually, it makes communication easier when they know what the other team owns or what they own. I totally agree with that. I think the, I mean, you said it there, it's being able to make changes and deploy changes without impacting or having dependencies onto other teams. That's kind of the key thing. And, and that comes from autonomy right and then you said there i mean even this is an interesting one you said 
communication and I guess having knowledge. So would you suggest that if this was a distributed team, would, would that change slightly our thinking in an ideal, ideal case scenario? Would you assign by location or cross location or what would what would we do in that case? No, I think the principle of it still stays the same. They still need to be autonomous teams. I guess how how the work is divided across distributed teams or even co multiple teams in a co-located area, it all depends on the project, the complexities and et cetera. Mm. But the principle needs to be same at any point. Yeah, and I think this is a good point. I mean, we've done another episode with yourself and Todd where we talked about distributed teams and what we said was that yeah. yes you can work in a distributed fashion but it comes with a communication overhead so as you say as if you can functional parts go mm-hmm. with a team ideally in the same location that makes things easy and if you break this for good or bad reasons then you just need to allow or account for for, for things that that get a bit harder now there is a bit of a, a, a school of thought that you should align teams to features or that you should align teams to services, especially in the microservice world. But I think it doesn't really matter whether it's a microservice or whether it's it's part of a monolithic application. You can still think logic in terms of, of kind of a service. I think something that does has a certain purpose, that does a certain thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think is different? Do you have any opinion about like feature teams versus service-specific teams? Uh, based on our experience, it's better for teams to deliver end-to-end, which basically means yes. the complete feature. So, so what we can already say, just to, to come back to this domain or the diagram we have or the graph, we would have three teams and one team would be owning device usage, one team would be uh, owning device performance, and one team would be uh, owning device configuration. Mm-hmm. And in an ideal world, there is very limited overlap between the two so that... That would work. Yes, exactly. And, and you know, that, that they need to communicate a little bit. I mean, that you should always look at the wider system in context and people should be knowing what other teams are up to for learning and, and you know, you want... To a certain degree, maybe you want to be consistent with technology stack. Maybe you don't want to be consistent with technology stack. But this should all be for good reasons. So a bit of communication is needed, but you can work in, in a decoupled way. Yes. Yes. So question, the web app front end. What do we do about that? Who owns that? Who works on this? How, how does that get developed if the teams are owning the three things under the hood in a decoupled fashion? As a BA, we would write stories in vertical slicing, which means a team that picks up the backend work also does the corresponding UI work, right? And that's how it's supposed to be because that's how you add a business value by doing it together. However, there is a problem with this, right? We ended up with a so-called front-end team who would then yeah. you know, build yes. the front-end <laughs> across all of those. And that didn't yeah. work. Well, why did that yeah. not work, though? I think we developed features back-to-back. All the APIs were ready. And then... Then, then there was a time to build the UI. Uh, we had to go through the requirements again. And remember, we had to change the backend requirements when the UI requirements changed. I had to revisit all of those and rework on all of those. And I guess that's when... Yes. Um, so this is a that. really good point you just said there. So the revisiting the, the requirements because system-to-system interface has very different requirements to a GUI-to-system interface, yeah. right? And they may not just be easily expandable. You may have to really reduce stuff. So that was one thing. But I remember you also saying you, because you are a bit on the receiving end of that, right, on that project. Ah, (laughs) Had to run requirements across teams again, once with the teams that were doing the APIs and then the team that was doing UI, bringing them together, making sure they collaborate. Yeah, that, that was no fun. It just, just felt like doing the same thing twice, you said, right? I yeah. mean, it's not <laughs> efficient, right? <laughs> not at all. Exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, I know we as 
business analysts, we work, we're, we're servants of the developers. And, and I mean this in the, in the nicest way, right? We, we, we do stuff that helps them deliver software. We need to also make sure that the process is efficient and works and, you know, doing multiple things again and again. There are redundancies, there is waste, there is scope for error. So yeah. this is not a good way of working. So there is a pattern in the industry called BFF service, backend for front-end service, which uh, Sam Newman has spoken about in his book, Building Microservices. Link mm -hmm. in the show notes for that. And that is sometimes perceived as being a solution to the problem of splitting teams between backend and frontend and how you split stories. I personally, I'm not a big fan of it. And I think Sam Newman is quite critical of the, of the BFF pattern because it creates another layer in the middle that needs to be maintained. Business logic possibly gets, gets lost in that layer. So, you know, it's a bit tricky, but it can be very uh, helpful. Um, we have mm -hmm. used it on one of our projects. We went back and forth with it. Yeah. <laughs> there there yeah. is some, some value in it, but we need to be very clear. It doesn't solve any of the problems we're discussing in here because the teams still need to own end-to-end. Having basically now agreed that teams should be owning functionality end-to-end, -end, um, and it was interesting, yeah. I read up a little bit on this on the internet, and I was also reading, rereading um, Sam Newman's book, Building Microservices, which I think is an excellent book, and it touches on some of those challenges. There is this thought in the industry that you have either feature teams owning a feature independent of whether the service is cross-features or not, or whether mm -hmm. you have service-specific teams that own a service. And of course, so and I think his conclusion reading between the lines is feature teams are a great idea, but ultimately they are hard because they, they work on multiple services and then you have teams that, that fiddle around with the same functionality. And so ideally mm -hmm. what you do is you slice your, oh. your services and your, exactly and your, your architecture so that they match business concerns and that matches features. And then you can map the teams nicely on top of that. Now, if we look at it again, there is a link in the show notes. If we look at the graph too, what we quite often find is that we have shared services, unfortunately, in the mix. So in this example, what we found uh, on that project was that there was a user preference service that would provide information such as the preferred language, time zone, units, metric or imperial. And the user could uh, define that and set that and then each application would display accordingly, right? Yeah. Um, you and I have worked on a project where we had something under the hood, which was called the configuration service, which would, in a quite complex way, store configurations that then some application we were building was using to, again, present information or apply business rules. And that service was used by all the other services. And there is a, a thought in, again, Sam Newman writes in his book, maybe you can, can you split those configurations and those preferences across services and, and you know, have each service have its own configurations. Examples we've just made, that wouldn't make sense, right? You wouldn't want to duplicate the preferred language or the, or the time zone. That needs to be in one place. And every service needs to be consistent in, in, in applying that. You can't have that for device usage, performance, and configuration separately. That would be could yep. go out of sync, right? Yep. The question then is, how do we split the teams across those now four services? So are we saying there is a team that owns user preferences and they are a service provider to all the other teams? Or are we saying every team can just muck about with the user preference service and they are responsible for making the change. But how about conflicting changes? How do we make sure that things don't go out of sync, that they people understand how the user preference service is working? Do you have any, like from the project we worked on, any, any thoughts or experience on, on how you would structure that? If you had another five people and you're like, well, okay, so someone now needs to build that user preference service, how, how would you structure that across the team? I think for starters, I wouldn't mind having a team that does user preferences, basically. Okay. 
but then but, I guess eventually if the if the other services need to speak to this service, then I think the rest of the teams must also know about it and then contribute to it. And that's what we've done with the one on our project. One problem I have with teams owning independent services is that they become kind of bottleneck because only they have mm. knowledge of how that service works. <laughs> yes. And then if they leave the team or, you know, if something happens and then you you are stuck with taking urgent handovers and stuff like that, it's just too messy, which is actually, again, happened to us. Um, yeah, you know what? I don't think it's only that. It's also if you have on, on, on the project, this example relates loosely to, we had not three services, but we had 15, but we only yeah. had, you know, one user preference team. And then suddenly that team is like, oh, wow, we need to do some stuff that's cross the board, like single sign-on. And then yeah. you know, usage is asking us to implement French as a language. Performance hasn't been able to make the relevant updates for French. And then, uh, you know, configuration wants imperial metrics in addition to um, uh, imperial units in addition to uh, metric units. So what's the priorities? What should that team be working on? As you say, you become a massive bottleneck alone in, like, you know, all the things that the different teams request you to do. I totally agree with you. I think you should have a team that incepts a service and they own it for the first iteration or, or release or whatever you want to call it. And then I think what you really should be doing is you should disband that team into the, either the other teams and have some kind of guardian that is the, 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 the guardian of best practices and knowledge around that service. Why would, why would we use those? Because you could argue that teams are just empowered and they can make the change they need to make and it's all good. Oh. Well, they can make the change they need, but I guess the guardians would make sure that nothing nothing is breaking or that the uh, idea behind why the shared service exists is not violated. So essentially, the teams can raise PRs uh, to this to these guardians of the shared service, and all they have to do is review and make merge them, provided that it fits in with the pattern of the service. And I think that's a really good point. I think there is two things in there for me. There is one is, is the, the knowledge of a service in terms of what it does. So in, in depth, deep down knowledge, which you may not actually have to give to every other person in the entire team, right? So there could be someone who re, who's the expert on that and that it, maybe it's just one person and people can approach that person if they need. You have more stability if people move around. You, I mean, you should always share knowledge, of course, but this, this guardian person can be, can be good for that as well. Then, as you say, you want someone who has the overall vision in mind and maybe can push back when individuals, because these individuals will have their, their agendas and their biases depending on what other service or feature they work on. So um, you may want someone who is a bit more neutral to say, look, uh, don't make the change this way. This is easy for you, but it makes it really hard for everyone else. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. You know, I, yeah, because I think the person who initially works on the shared services would have thought about all the future aspects and built it. Yes. And if somebody with minimum knowledge tries to do changes, it might not. It might be a hampering thing to the service. And I guess that's why we would need these guardians. Absolutely. And then I think these guardians are also good because if they have a little bit of time on the side, as you said, this might not be their full-time job, to look at that service, they can then from time to time maybe take the time out to do some radical refactoring. We have seen this on our project, right, where one of our colleagues was just refactoring one of the core services at one point where it's just like, yeah, we've just learned more. This has evolved. This needs a total rewrite. And he was just doing that under the hood. No one was being impacted by this. 
where this becomes difficult, and I think this is more a business problem, is that, mm. uh, you know, the thing I mentioned around priorities. So if someone is introducing another language from an end user mm. perspective, I don't think it makes sense to have French available only for one of those services. It would be really weird if I could use device usage in French. And then I'm swapping over to device performance and there I get an error message that French isn't available. So what the business need to do is they need to design, define those, uh, the, the priorities of all or the different requirements in terms of priorities across all services that are affected by the underlying change. So there is a little bit of, a, of an overhead in terms of being aware of when you are making breaking changes and in terms of a business kind of aligning everyone to that, which can be quite tricky and I've had this before when different teams for mm. these different applications are basically different profit centers. So they have very, very different objectives. So what do you do then, right? Then it becomes really interesting how you prioritize that. Yeah. We should also say we've spoken about the preference service, but arguably the same could be said for the web application front end, that you <laughs> could have a guardian for that. You could have someone who incepts that and then teams just work on that as they you know, add additional pieces of functionality that affect the front end. So you, you could play that in the same way. And here maybe the consistency we're looking for is more user experience design and, and related patterns, et cetera. But also aspects like, you know, I mean, which will apply across the application, like security and, and, and non-functional requirements and stuff, et cetera. So but just to, to kind of maybe wrap it up, as we've alluded to a number of times here, we had a couple of interesting discussions and arguments during the, the last project around like what the right way of structuring teams is. So what's your, sorry, what's, what's your takeaway? I think uh, the way we would go about it or I would go about it is reduce the number of uh, shared services. This might not be possible for all projects with their complex requirements, but I guess that's the challenge and that's what we need to aim at. And the team, initially, I think it's okay. And that's what we did in our project previously, Marcel, that teams did start working on services and then they moved towards implementing end-to-end uh, -end features. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's that's what adds value at the end of the day. So the teams should eventually focus on doing end-to-end -end deliveries, learning the system as a whole, instead of just focusing on one service. You know, initially allow teams to focus on a specific part of functionality. Even if that's a shared service, it's fine to have a dedicated team. But then over time, especially if it's an intrinsic core service, you need to spread the knowledge out and allow teams in the interest of speed and in, the, in, in flexibility and also, you know, sharing knowledge and reducing risk by, as you said, people leaving um, you need to, to share that knowledge across the teams and allow them to make changes to these underlying services. And I yeah. think the way to, you know, and, and I think the way to do this is really by having this guardian of best practice, maybe a couple of people who are the specialists on that service. Um, and they don't have to be full time on that. Maybe if they might may just have to from time to time approve some pull requests and do some refactoring or look at that service from time to time. Yeah. Support the other teams in, in, in evolving that. So, yeah, I mean, concluding, I think the problem sounds maybe, I mean, this is all in hindsight, but looking back at it now, the problem sounds less complicated than it actually was or is. I think, <laughs> I don't know. I think, you, would you agree that- It's some, always easy when it's done, Marcel. <laughs> I know, I know, it's hindsight, right? Um, but I also think that why this was so complicated is that a lot of teams, when they get into the swing of things and they are asked to, and they're delivering successfully, the client wants more and more and more features. And what you then do is sometimes you compromise on doing the right thing. And sometimes the right thing is to start maybe making a little bit of a pause, restructuring teams when it's appropriate, sharing knowledge, 
And we thought, no, these guys already know about the core services. In the interest of speed, let them keep on doing what they already know. And then you're a year into the project and you realize that you have created massive silos and boundaries between teams. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And, and I think, would you agree that, that the trick is to find that point when the system has a certain level of complexity? And I always find this is when you have three or four services that you then need to really think about restructuring the team. And then when you have another three or four services, maybe again, how do I best restructure the team and, and just keep this fluid and flowing? And yes, it's maybe slowing you down a little bit initially, but I think ultimately you're reducing a lot of pain that comes down the line. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. I, uh, we hope this was interesting and um, we hope you'll listen to us soon. Bye. Yep. Bye. That's it for today's episode. Have a look at our show notes with related information and details on how to get in touch at thebarnup.com. We are listener-driven, so please do send us your questions, comments, and ideas for new episodes. We're both practitioners and are happy to discuss interesting opportunities from consulting to coaching to getting involved in actual projects. For inquiries, please visit burnupmedia.com. This podcast is produced by Burnup Media Limited under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 license, which means you can share it as long as you give credit, but you cannot change it or make money of it. Until next time, thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.